begin a brand new series today. And it's a series on the parables of Jesus Christ. And so we're actually going to begin with one that's kind of well-known. It's the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. Um, and let me press pause right there for one second because there's something I want to just share with you. A few weeks ago, Pastor David and I had the opportunity to speak at a conference in the Poconos. And uh, I was speaking on, I think it was the Monday night, and he was scheduled to speak on the Wednesday. And there were a lot of people in the room, people we didn't know and had never met before. And I wanted to make sure they knew who my man was. And so um, I, I st stood up to speak, and I said, I'm so glad that I'm here tonight with my boyfriend. No disrespect, man. We'll be married 35 years this year. And... I, yeah, praise God. I, I'm just seeing that we don't have a perfect marriage. I'm not perfect. He's not perfect, so we can't have a perfect marriage. But the longer we walk together, the more we understand each other, the more we're able to make room for each other to be who God's called them to be. And it becomes less like a marriage and more like a dating, long date, elongated date. <laughs> And so um, I'm just so, so in love with him, and I just want to say how much I appreciate all that he does in leading us and guiding us, right? Powerful, powerful father. Thank you. Thank you, honey. And so back to the sermon, the parable of the mustard seed. So if you have, a, have your Bible or if you have a device, you can click, swipe, tap, whatever you need to do. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 13 as we look at, again, as I shared earlier, the parable of the mustard seed. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 30, uh, 31. Verse 31. He, Jesus, told them, his disciples and his followers, another parable, because in this chapter there are about six or seven parables. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, verse 32, though it, meaning the mustard seed, is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that, say so that, we're going to come back, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The parable of the mustard seed. I don't know about you, but growing up, I never saw a mustard seed. I put mustard on my, my food, on my hot dogs, all kinds of things, but I had never seen a mustard seed before. And so reading this passage, under, trying to understand what Jesus wanted to communicate to his followers, I needed, to, I needed a visual. Y'all need a visual? Well, let's take a look at what a mustard seed looks like. On the tip of a finger, this is a mustard seed. The smallness of it in Jesus' day and age was a representation. It was kind of like a saying, you know, tiny as a mouse, you weigh a ton. It was a parabolic saying. And so Jesus is trying to communicate to his followers some hope about what the kingdom of God would look like in the times and the days and the months and the years to come. He said it is like a mustard seed because when it is fully grown, it looks not like a little tiny seed. It looks like this. 
It looks like a tree. It's a large plant, actually, and scholars debate whether it it really does look like a tree or not, but parables have so many layers to them. So for one, they don't necessarily uh, compare apples to apples. In other words, they use language as a picture. We've all heard it said that a picture is worth what? A thousand words. And that's what Jesus was doing when he told parables. He was trying to put in picture language an understanding of this great big kingdom, his rule and his reign, so that people would be able to engage with it in a greater degree. The word parable actually means this. It, it, paints, it itself paints a picture. A parable means para, which means beside, like paramedic, paraclete. Para and bole means to throw, to cast together. So beside and to cast. So in other words, Jesus is taking two things that are different, putting them side by side and casting out an idea so that you, I, the hearer, the learner, the one that he wants to bring into this great uh, relationship with him, he's casting these two images aside so that one can give greater understanding to the other. Y'all with me? A parable, so that one can give greater understanding to the other. So when he says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he's saying, yo, look, the kingdom of God may start out small as Jesus was walking with his disciples in this, in this day and time 2,000 years ago. He's saying, look, it's going to start out small. The things we're doing, yeah, we're healing the sick. Yeah, we're seeing the dead raised. Oh, we're seeing families reunited. We're seeing people understand the rule and the reign of God, what it looks like in the earth. It's starting out small. They didn't have the internet. It wasn't traveling at, the news wasn't traveling at the speed of light. It was word of mouth. But, he's saying, it may look inconsequential to you guys now, but it's going to be big. There's something going to happen. Over the course of time, this thing of Jesus wanting to bring everybody into his family, wanting to bring every one of us into a greater and deeper understanding of what life is truly all about, Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to multiply. It's going to multiply exponentially so that the little seed that fit on the top of the tip of the finger would begin to look like a big tree, the smallness of the gospel. Do you know that Jesus has a way of starting small? He has a way of starting small. He, he goes from bigness to greater even, in even greater bigness. So that's what he was referring to, and he's trying to encourage. So this is a, this is a parable of hope. We need hope today. We're living in a world, we're living in a day and an age where there's so much happening and so fast and so quick that the kingdom of God, in terms of God's rule and God's reign on the earth, it's coming, but for many of us and many things in the world, it's not coming quickly enough. And Jesus wanted to bring hope. And so when we think about, I want to say three things that we want to walk away from this passage with that can give us hope concerning the kingdom of God, the plan of God in the earth, and then the plan of God in our lives. Three things. Number one, the potential of the seed. And if you want to write these down and then we'll come back and go through all of them. Number one, the potential of the seed. Say the potential. 
And number two would be the growth of the seed, the potential of the seed. Number two would be the growth of the seed. And the third step or the third uh, impact of this, of this um, parable in our lives, we'll get a greater understanding of the impact of the seed. Potential, growth, impact. So right off the bat, when we look at the seed, we understand that the tree is always bigger than the seed. And the seed is always smaller than the tree. When we start out in anything, when any venture, any family, any relationship, when the kingdom of God, God's rule and God's reign on the earth, his, his authority, his lordship, it's not a physical place, it's a spiritual reality. When it's starting, whether it's here at Christ Church or 2,000 years ago, it goes from, as I was saying, large to small. But the impact, of, of the, the, the truth is this, that it, is, it has great potential. And great potential comes with a cost. And the cost is this, that the expectation of how the potential will unfold is not always the way that it actually happens. Let me say that again. The cost of, of having potential is that the expectation of how that potential will unfold is not always played out in reality. And that is exactly what the disciples and those who were following Jesus were encountering. They expected the Messiah, the Savior, these were Jewish people, Hebrew people, they, they expected the Messiah, the Savior, to come with force. They expected him to come into this Roman uh, region that they were living in and to begin to liberate them so that they can live their Jewishness with all freedom where they were currently living it with some degree of restriction. And so as they thought Jesus, when he began to declare that he was the Savior, he was the one come to rescue them from their bondage and from as, as well their sin, they expected him to come with forth. The expectation was dashed, though, when Jesus didn't come with a sword. He came with a servant's towel. He didn't come to destroy. He came to build up. He came with healing. He came dealing with the issues of the day, the social issues, the economic issues. He came dealing with all of those things, but he did it in a way that was going to bring peace and bring salvation. And so they had trouble putting it together. Kingdom of God, their expectation of, of God coming and ruling and reigning, the Savior uh, coming to, to help them and to rest. They had trouble putting together who he was with what they thought he was supposed to be. With what he was doing and how he was doing it, not overthrowing the Roman government, but coming with the word of the Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit, they had trouble. Their expectation was dashing what they thought was the potential of his impact in their world. Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever expect God to do something one way because of a, an understanding that you have, but he actually begins to deal with you, your life, the expectations that you have for how his rule and his reign should manifest itself in your life, do you ever feel disillusioned, dissing the illusion, the expectation being dashed? Anybody? I've been there 
In some areas, I'm there right now. But this is a big principle in the kingdom of God, that God builds bigness from smallness, that the seed is always going to be smaller than the tree, that where we start is always going to uh, never compare. It's not going to look like what it's going to be. Are you with me? It's not going to have the same impact today for what it will have in the future. Marriage may look like that at times. Hello? Raising children may look like that at times. They're not what they're going to be. Hallelujah. (laughs) Our finances may not look like what they're going to be. Our impact in the kingdom. These seeds that we're sowing for 4RS. Oh, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And so Jesus comes with this picture, this parable. By the way, parables, as I said, have many layers. And so one of the things that parables do is confront expectations in such a way that it deals with the heart and breaks open better understanding so that there can be hope. Hope, what does hope mean? Hope means expectation of a greater good. It's different than faith. Faith is, as the the scripture says, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is something that hope has to carry. Because you can't have an expectation of a greater good if you don't first have faith that the greater good would happen. And you can't have faith that the greater good would happen without expectation being there and hope to push it along when it gets stalled, to push it along. And so Jesus wanted to push his his followers along. He wanted to say, guys, look, I'm not going to be here forever. There is work to be done. There is a hurting, a lost and dying world to be reached. And I want to equip you emotionally and mentally to know and to be able to see long after I'm gone that it's like a mustard seed. Say the mustard seed. Folks, we have a commission We are to be the people of God on the mission of God. And we are to be able to take the message of Christ and live not just the message, but the power, the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we change culture, society, that we impact it and influence it just the way Jesus did. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. That makes me feel like, okay, this is not just about me and my life and my concerns and my hurts, but Jesus using parables over 80 times through the scriptures, 80 times, wanted to break open our understanding so that he could then get to the heart, the heart of these matters, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. So what does that, what's that really mean? Let's look at what the kingdom of God means here. Tyndale Bible Dictionary says this, and by the way, Jesus is using the kingdom of heaven in this, in this passage, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of heaven are all interchangeable in the Gospels and in the Scriptures. So it says this, The kingdom of heaven is the sovereign rule of God, initiated by Christ's earthly ministry and consummated, in other words, coming to an end, or fully, not an end, but a full, full display when the kingdoms of the world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? Sounds like the Hallelujah Chorus. 
That's where this was taken from or, or the, uh, taken from the scriptures, same passages of scripture. So the kingdom of heaven is the sovereign rule of God. In other words, it's not a physical place, as I said. It's a spiritual reality. There's no place that you can point and say over here and over there is the kingdom of God. Jesus even said that. He said the kingdom of God is among you. In other words, his influence, all that he was doing, all that he was trying to accomplish when he was here, his influence in the world, that was his a sign of his rule. I like to think of it really when we break all of this down, the lordship of God and Jesus Christ now and in the future. His lordship, his ability to uh, guide, lead, cultivate. And what does this mean for our lives today? It means that, and this is good news, it means that we are under that lordship. It means that those who call Jesus Christ Lord and those who call God their God have this canopy over them of God's ruling and reigning in your life. Now, we don't often think about that, but that's the reality of it. He's ruling and reigning in our lives, and he's ruling and reigning in everything that he is doing in the earth. But it's only just begun. It's like a mustard seed. It's only getting started. And this is why we pray that, that wonderful prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the, the kingdom of God. Where? On earth. Where? As it is in heaven. God's lordship. God's lordship. And so when we talk about potential, we're talking about these things. We're talking about what it means to, to, to have faith and hope that the kingdom of God, as it, as it is, is displaying itself in the world and displaying itself in our own lives, that this is just the beginning. There's potential. It doesn't look like what it's always going to look like. It's not going to be the way it's always going to be. Now, parables also come with a warning. And the warning that is embedded in this parable is this. Be careful of rejecting small beginnings. Because God's kingdom is going to start in obscurity but end in glory. Be careful of rejecting small beginnings. Second warning, be careful even of judging small beginnings and diminishing or disrespecting small beginnings. And also be careful of bailing out during the early stages of a small beginning. <laughs> be careful of bailing out. You know, uh, 33 years ago was the time in June where Pastor David and I and six other people were sent out from the church we were all attending to plant Christ Church. At that time, I was great with child, with our first daughter. We were only married a couple of years, and we had no clue what we were doing. We weren't expecting to be sent out back then. They didn't have a lot of trainings for church plants, new churches. We were in our early 20s. We hadn't been to seminary. We hadn't even, we had, no, we had nothing. We could barely spell Holy Ghost. We could barely spell church. We didn't understand all of the ins and outs of things. But when they sent us out, we were obedient. And they uh, released us, prayed over us, released us. And then we began having our services in this, um, this dance hall in Irvington, New Jersey, which is not far from here, right outside of, of Newark, on Spring, off of Springfield Avenue, one of the main drags. And when we went into this space, I, I believe when we previewed it, it was clean and it smelled great. 
when we went in the first day, the first Sunday afternoon to have our first service, it was stinking of alcohol, of urine, of all kinds of things. That was our small beginning. Eight people in a rank, stank, dank hall. How disillusioning, how expectations of something great happening through us were dashed. How we couldn't see past that smallness, but we had no other choice. We, we felt that it was a call of God, and so we began to step out in not faith, but hope, expectation of a future. Oh, the faith was there. We had, we had some trust that God, it's already done. We, we, we know that in the future, but we needed something to ride that future out, and that was hope. Long story short, that, that period went on for several years. We grew by small amounts, small amounts. And I'm not talking about numbers. It wasn't about numbers. It was more about us really being able to embrace this kingdom idea of God wanting to use us to impact the people around us, our family, our friends, our loved ones, that community where there was alcohol and, and drugs and all kinds of, it was, a, it was, it was about a bigger vision. And can I tell you, a lot of times we don't realize that the struggles that we have in the smallness of our, our relationships, our finances, that's just the practical things, our disappointments, our hopes, our dreams. We don't realize that all those, although those things are small and they're taking a long time, young people, college students, they're taking a, it seems like it's taken a long time for those things to manifest. It's actually in the plan of God. Because it's in that time of struggle, it's in that time of waiting, it's in that time of trying to figure things out that we build hope in God. And the scripture says that hope does not disappoint. In other words, you need hope to walk this walk. And he's going to make sure you get it. He's going to hold some things back. He's going to give you the opportunity to just wait on him. Because as you develop hope, you're developing strength. So the first thing we need to be, remember about the seed is that it's got potential. It may, it's not what it's going to be. It's not what it used to be. There's somewhere in the middle, but God is working. And that potential, as the next point shows us, is this. After potential of the seed, then there's the growth of the seed. That's what we need to begin to just kind of really cement in our mind and our hearts. Remember, that's what parables are all about. It's about getting to the heart. It's about dealing with resistance. It's about bringing forth hope in your life and in your mind. So growth, the, 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 the growth of the seed is what we also need to begin to keep in mind. See, because Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, Do not de despise these days of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And so when we think about the small beginnings of a seed and how it grows, we have to just remember, uh, let's look again back at verse 32 and actually just see how the scripture talks about this. Verse 32 says, Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest 
of garden plants and becomes a what? A tree. Let's stop right there. It becomes a tree. The seed comes before the tree. And growth comes before greatness. So when we talk about the seed, the growth of the seed, realize that growth always comes before greatness. Sometimes we want to skip over the growth part and get to greatness. Sometimes we want to skip over the hard work or, or the trusting and the hope that we need to have in Christ. And just, let's just get there. Let's just skip over these, these steps that need to happen. But growth takes time. Growth is something that is necessary. Listen, this is a simple message this morning. It's about some of the basic things that we need to know and understand. Not so that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but so that the kingdom of God can begin to take root in our hearts. This, this idea of his rule and his reign and his lordship over everything, and we can begin to have hope. And so the growth process is, is taking place. It's happening as we decide that we're not going to skip over the steps that we need to grow the church. We're not going to skip over the steps that we need to do in, in order for the kingdom of God to manifest in the earth. We're not going to just get impatient. We're going to be planted. That passage says that when the seed is planted, that's when it grows. Young people, when you are planted, when you are stable, when you are doing and staying in the place where God has called you, whether it's school, whether it's a church, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, a committed, holy relationship, when you are planted, there's something supernatural, there's something very natural as well that happens when you're planted. Grace comes. The Apostle Paul said, let's grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. And that's how we become a step. What is grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the sense that God is doing it through you. That God working in you by the power of the Holy Spirit is causing you to have this development that takes place, that is supposed to take place in the life of everyone in the kingdom of God, and everything in the kingdom of God. Growth is supposed to happen. Seeds got to grow, folks. Seeds got to grow. Seeds got to shift and change. And, and that's, uh, I would say, a great definition of growth, change. Seeds got to change. And there are circumstances and situations in the kingdom at large with leaders falling, with churches failing in various regions of the world, where it seems like the, the gospel is being snuffed out and drowned out by everything in the culture. The change is happening, though, in other regions of the world in such a way that the gospel is growing. And so there's a, there's a, there's a give and take that's happening. But the, the, the seeds of change and the growth is occurring because there's a planting that is needed to happen, and that is happening. I want to say that um, years ago when I began to kind of just understand this whole growth process, I came upon um, this passage in one of my favorite books. It's called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And it's all about the disciplines of life, uh, of the spiritual life, prayer and fasting and giving and serving and, and so on and so forth. But he starts out 
the book talking about how do we grow. Those are ways we grow. He talks about uh, how do we grow with the right attitude. And so he's not talking about growth that comes with numbers, but growth that comes with depth. I want you to hear what he says. He says this, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. He says, the classical disciplines of the spiritual life call us to move beyond the surface of living into the depths. They invite us to explore the inner caverns of the spiritual realm. Last sentence. I needed to get to this. They urge us to be the answer to a hollow world. Wow. And so there's a growth. As we remain under the rule and the reign of God and not seek to uproot ourselves and plant ourselves in habits and things and environments that are not like in attitudes that are very unlike the kingdom of God. And the growth occurs with a deepening of our understanding of him and a deepening of the grace of God on our lives to walk in him. Are you with me? And so two steps or two things we're understanding so far. Number one, that there is potential in the seed, and the seed represents what? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God's rule and God's reign, where we are, the, the, the ethos under which we live. So there's potential in that, and we should be encouraged and take hope in that. And then there's growth in that that occurs because we plant ourselves in it. We establish that this is my standard. This is why I live. This is who I am. This is what I'm all about. I'm all about God ruling and reigning in my life and God ruling and reigning in the earth. And then the third thing is the impact of the seed. Let's look at verse 31 again. Talking about the third uh, truth, hope that we can take away from this passage, the impact of the seed. In verse 31 again, Jesus said, I should say verse 32, thank you. Jesus said, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes, there's that time factor, and becomes a tree so that, this is, this is the whole reason that Jesus was telling this uh, parable, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The birds come. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God is here in the earth, we are here in the earth so that others can come and find rest and find peace and find respite and protection in our branches, in our lives. So the very things that you're going through, the very things that you've been through, they become a testimony. They, be, they become fodder for other people to engage with God. You're not in the kingdom simply going through the day-to-day -day challenges, the day-to-day -day issues of what it means to live under the authority of God. God has a purpose and a plan for your trials. He has a purpose and a plan for your struggles. He has a purpose and a plan for the joys and the successes and everything so that others can come and feed and live and be encouraged and be strengthened by you. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time perhaps you thought of your struggles and your cares 
that God's comforting you with the comfort that he wants you to comfort others with. Well, that's because we live in this, in this world that tends to be a me-centered world. And can I say to you, it hasn't changed in 2,000 years, since 2,000 years. So Jesus trying to bring us forward so that we understand that as this picture of people coming to dwell um, and feed off of our lives, it shows that this little tree grows and is able to support birds. Birds, insignificant creatures in comparison to human beings. This, this portion of the parable speaks of the care the kingdom brings to the world, how God cares for the marginalized and the broken, and we don't even realize that that's what the kingdom is really all about, and that's his plan for us. That's why, folks, the church is so important, and that's why God wants to use the kingdom, and that's why God wants us to be reminded this morning that we need to take hope in living in the kingdom. Is it hard? Yeah. Is it disillusioning at times? Oh, yeah. Is there so much work to be done that it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like and what it's going to be? Does it require uh, patience and all of these things? Yeah. And God wants you to be encouraged today. God wants you to take heart. He wants you to know that it is about you and it isn't about you. He wants us to become kingdom people, kingdom-driven, kingdom-passionate, uh, kingdom uh, for every challenge, every need that he has identified because he just wants people to know him. He just wants people to know him. And that's why he has you here and me here.